All right, um, welcome to the Mesh Point Podcast. Um, tonight, we're excited to have Ben Bullock. He's the uh, head football coach at Lake Highland Prep in Orlando and uh, newly minted uh, state champion. Coach, how are you doing tonight, man? Good. I appreciate you guys having me on. This is awesome. I've, I've been gassed up about this for about a month. Like, I'm excited to be on tonight, talk some ball, and uh, I appreciate yeah. it. It's been an exciting ah, season. We're excited to have you on, man. It's uh it's great and, uh, you know, excited to talk about, you know, your program and and uh, kind of, you know, where you've brought it to and the the option principles you're using at your school. It's going to be fun tonight, man. It's going to be fun. So, um, man, just, you know, as always, kick us off, right? Talk to us about your journey from, you know, playing, you know, playing football growing up all the way up into now being the head coach at Lake Island Prep. Well, um you know, like most people are starting to use football. So I, uh, my, my father was my first, um, football coach overall. I mean, my, my, he's the one that got me in the sport. He started our youth league in our town. Um, and really, we didn't really have where we grew up. We didn't really have a youth opportunity at the time. We had to travel to a nearby, you know, nearby city to, to have that opportunity. So he started a youth organization in our, in our town. And, and, you know, I was part of that. Um, my brother and I were, and, Grew up through that, and he he transitioned through that youth league, helped get it started, kind of pass it on to others, and and it's it's flourishing now. It's a great organization. Um, and then you know he took over and was asked to go up into uh, modified football, which in New York is middle school football. So I, I transitioned with him there into middle school football, um, and then he wanted to stay there. As I started getting into high school, ninth grade year, starting to get to JV, he wanted to stay there and kind of let me and my brother kind of do our own thing, move on our own path, and. Uh, see what we can do. And, and unfortunately, at the time, our program, our high school program, had been kind of the the program that everybody kind of just kind of looked down on for, for a long period of time. We were one and nine, two and eight, you know, just, you know, we we're good at other sports. We weren't a football school and never were going to be one. Um, and I was very fortunate. My sophomore year, we hired Dick Russ. And Dick Russ is a is a legend in New York State. Um, he was at Shango Forks High School for, uh, gosh, 40 plus years, I think at least 30 plus retired and then decided to take over our program uh, in my sophomore season. And that's where the program really changed. Um, we had some, some kind of okay years, some five and four, four and five. And then my senior year with a lot of, a lot of guys that we've been playing a lot of football with since we were kids um, made the state semis for the first time in school history. We won a section title, first state tournament ever for a school. And, and really that's where it kind of capped off. And started kind of some success within that program. And Coach Russ is, is the reason why I'm in coaching. He, I'd go over to his house and uh, you know talk football. He'd have me over to the pool and and just chit chat. And and I wanted to soak in everything that I could uh, from him, um, which was awesome. It was awesome to have a high school head coach like that. Um, transitioned to college. I went to Brockport State, which is a Division three school in Rochester, New York. Uh, played for Coach Salomon, and again, another great experience for me. Like. From my education there to my my time there, I was not. I was on some very very good teams. I was not the main reason why we were that that those very very good teams. But we had a great group of guys from star players to cast guys that group you know really kind of team guys that wanted to be a part of it and work hard. And uh, we ended up being the elite eight in two thousand two. Um, made a playoff appearance in two thousand. 
uh, undefeated regular season, lost in the first round, lost in the first round the next year to Rowan, who at the time, uh, New Jersey was a powerhouse. They were number two in the nation. And then the next year, we go back, we win a playoff game, we go back to Rowan and upset them at their place. And then end up losing in the uh, Elite Eight to Tom Arth, who is, was the Akron head coach, I believe. He was at UT Chattanooga. That's when he was at John Carroll as a quarterback. Um, we lost those guys. So had a great playing experience for Coach Salamone and um, was very fortunate that after I got done playing, Coach uh, gave me an unpaid intern job the next year. So uh, after I got done playing, I interned with him the next year. Uh, very fortunate that he, he felt highly enough that I was a GA the year after that. And then I stayed three more years after my GA year as a full-time coach. He promoted me again full-time. Um, I ended my time there as defense line coach and special teams coordinator there at, at Brockport State. Um, after that, I took – after that, that final year I was there, I wanted to see if I could make this a profession, try to take the next steps, and got hired as the defense coordinator at Hartwick College in Oneonta, New York, right outside of Cooperstown where the Baseball Hall of Fame is. Um, all that in upstate New York, beautiful place. And I worked for Coach Coach Mark Carr there, which is another great experience uh, for me. Um, towards the la- back half of that, the last two and a half years, my wife was actually living here in Orlando while I was trying to figure out the college coaching world, try to see where the next stop was going to be. And, and, and sometimes timing, it's not all about your ability and, and coaches, sometimes timing and, and different things are why some guys can make the profession in college coaching and move on and, and move forward. And unfortunately, last year I was there, we lost eight straight games my last year in college football. And it's just hard to find the next stop after that. So she loved it here. Orlando is a great place. We love it. Uh, and uh, interviewed at Mount Dora High School. I was fortunate enough to get the job at Mount Dora. So I was at Mount Dora High School in 2012 and 2013 as a defense coordinator. And then, and then Coach Grabowski, who hired me, was very fortunate. Uh, Coach uh, took a chance on a New York guy. Um, he left and went to a high school, Red Bank High School in Tennessee. He left, and then I was promoted as the head coach in 2014. So 2014, I was there at Mount Dora. Uh, went eight and two, made the state playoffs. Um, then we left, and I wanted to move a little bit closer into Orlando, so I took the, the job at Ocoee High School, 7A High School, uh, a little bit bigger high school in Orlando, um, a school that had only been around for 10 years. It was an overflow high school. Um, two and eight was our typical year for them. And we went six and four, seven and three, and made the playoffs for the first time in school history. Um, first district championship in school history. Um, that was an awesome experience seeing those guys, um, really see success for the first time and how, how excited they were for it. Um, and then in 2017, I got approached about an opportunity at Lake County prep. Um, it's a really, really unique place. And what really struck me about it was, you know, the opportunity and the challenge to build in the, you know, a program in a different way. Uh, in, in that, like I talked earlier a little bit about that, that high academic environment, but also too, we're a pre-K through 12 school. So uh, my wife's there, she's got a job there now I'm there. And then our seven-year-old's there too. He's been there since he was in pre-K. So, you know, we went from being separate in two different States, you know, New York and Florida to having the family all in one school at one time. So it's a pretty, pretty cool experience. And, and, you know, obviously this year we capped it off with state championships. So it's been, it's been a really great experience there at Lake Island. And when you were a DC, were you the D line DC? I've done a bunch of different things. I've, I've coached in my time in college football and high school football. I've coached every, I've coached every position at least once. Right. 
Um, the DC. I'm just curious if you when I was a DC, I prefer to be the linebackers coach. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. I've been I've been the safeties coach as the DC, and I've also been the D lines coach. I've done that. Um, I prefer, especially in, in the system we run, I prefer to be linebackers coach. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand that. I was just curious if you were D line DC. Yeah, that's it, unusual. Yeah, it's it was a lot of just being able, you know, just what we had and what we could get our, you know, staff wise, what was the best fit yeah. at the time. And then um, my last years at Brockport state with coach Salmon, I was a defense line coach, but I was a special teams coordinator. So right. that lended some other things too. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Because during those special periods of the well, some of them are, but some of them aren't right. So somebody has got to be working with those guys while you're doing your other stuff. I yeah. just, uh, I was just curious because that's not no, it's great. normal. Yeah, I'm with it. Yeah, no, it was. I was fortunate to have an intern with me too that had played for me at that time uh-huh. and, and was able to kind of do some stuff. You know, get get a lot done with them that you normally wouldn't since I wasn't there. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so you mentioned quite a few coaches, um, and I'm assume probably all of them are going to answer. I'm going to be some answers to the next question, but but talk about like um. Like when you're when you're looking at your opportunity at Lake Highland Prep, or when you're, you know, you're DC, uh, you know, with a wife in, in Orlando. Talk about some maybe some mentors that you really had some conversation with to kind of help mold you and shape you uh, into the decisions that you've made um, today. Yeah, for you know, for me, it started with my dad. Um, you know, at a very young age, and you know, really, football was a family event for us. You know, it was. You know, some people go, you know, fishing, some people go hunting, some people will do go play golf, things like that. Football with us was a was an event. And we'd we'd go, you know, we used to play games on Saturdays and we'd go and and um watch. He'd let me pick out a random Friday night game when we weren't playing, so we can go to a Friday night game and and just talk, talk ball, talk situations and and just go to a game, you know, down the street of a, a different high school. Um, and then Coach Russ for me in high school was was a huge thing. Coach Russ, um was a guy that, um, you know, when I started getting into coaching, when I was an intern and I decided that this was going to be kind of my profession, he did everything he could to take me everywhere I wanted to go. He would take me to some gym and alley clinics and he would know all these guys already. He's been around the profession for 40 years, 50 years, and would take me there and introduce me to people and and would take me to these clinics all over the Northeast. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. I was 22 years old trying to figure it out. Um, and then Coach Salomon was was my college coach was was awesome too, really getting me in the profession, teaching me how to recruit. Um, unfortunately, when I took the job at Hartwick, um, so that was the fall. You know, I took it in the spring, but my first training camp was the fall of two thousand eight. Um, he came out training camp, super. I mean, so gassed up that I was a coordinator, and you know, get my first shot at it. And then, unfortunately, he got he got sick. Um, he got throat cancer, and then he was he passed away in December. Literally that, that, that's how quick that went. And, and then coach that, unfortunately coach Salmon um, in 2013 got ill and then 2015, he passed away too. And, you know, those are two guys that I leaned on a lot, um, but I've kind of transitioned a ton. And I, I wish, you know, when I, some of these decisions that I make now, and I'd love to have them around, I bounce things off my dad, but I love, I love to have those guys around. Um, but I think back about, you know, some of the things that during my playing days and my coaching days with them, you know, some of the things that they would do and install and, and how that would might fit the situation and what they would think. And even though they're not around, they're still a mentor for me. It's still yeah, things I think yeah. about. Um, 
And then now that I'm in Florida, I really, when I first got here, my defensive line coach um, was a parent, um, but he had been the head coach at Eustis High School down, down the street from me at Mount Dora, a big rival. Um, and he had been around a long time. And he's like, listen, Ben, if, if this is where you're going to be, let's go, let's go talk to some people. And he introduced me to a lot of people that were well-known in, in Florida. Um, coach Darlington, that's how I got to know Rick Darlington. That's how I got to know some other people in the area and kind of immerse myself in, in Florida football to a point where I really wanted to learn everything there was about. I wasn't, I really enjoyed being a coordinator for those first two years in high school because it gave me an opportunity to figure out what Florida high school football was like, because it's different. It's different than New York football. It's different. It's very regional. So it gave me an opportunity to really learn uh, with coach Grabowski as the head coach and really learn what Florida football was like and kind of, um, you know, the cliche term is culture, but kind of just, you know, how things operated down here, what a great program looked like and, and really get to know some things. So I still bounce some stuff off those guys. Coach Hedrick and uh, is, is Matt Hedrick's the head coach of Bishamore. Him and I, he's right down the street from me. Him and I bounce ideas off each other. We'll have little small little head coach uh, summits and kind of like talk about some of the current states of, of high school football and some of the things they're doing, some of the things we're doing and bounce some ideas off each other. Cause I do think, you know, as a head coach, it's, it's good sometimes to get with another head coach. Cause you really understand those, those kind of some, issues and things you want to try to improve in the program differently right. than when you were an assistant. Um, yeah. So, you know, those are really the ways I kind of think about, you know, from a mentor standpoint, how I kind of think and, and how I kind of, you know, try to make some decisions as the head coach now based on my, my past with coach Russ and coach Salomon and my dad. And, you know, those were a big influence on me. Yeah. That's awesome. Hey coach, speaking of uh, like 50 shades of gray, right. When I think mm -hmm. about, Triple option in your experience, I'm laughing because like uh, that's kind of been my experience too. Like talk about your evolution of triple, you know, there at Lake Highland uh, Prep, you know what I mean? From the flex bone all the way to kind of where you're at now, if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give you the kind of, because I can talk. I, I agree to give you the long answer a little bit. I grew up, I saw a change of program. So when Coach Russ took over in uh, my sophomore year of high school, so I think that'd be like the 96 season. Um, we were, we were maybe like a, I pro style team trying to run ISO people. And he came in, he'd been running the option, um, uh, in different ways at Sharing Force for a while. And he went out and really dove into midline. And like, that's when midline was really kind of getting hot and was kind of part of yeah. it. And we were, we, he went out and met with tons of people all over the, over the country. And that's when you had to like go and meet people and right. you can, can just zoom them. Um, and met with people, and that's where we kind of really kind of took off. We were an option style team. My my time there, my three years there, I was a B back in that system. I loved every minute of it of being a B back in in that system. Um, but we were kind of a very hybrid team. We weren't we weren't your Navy Springfield Salisbury kind of option team. We we get some of those sets, but we were we were like we would run we would run uh, midline mostly out of like an unbalanced I set. Like it was almost uh -huh. Nebraska like. Uh -huh. um, we were more like that. Then we get some sense and, and run some wing counter. And like, we were very, we weren't like a particular option. We were kind of winty option. We were all these things kind of together. Mm -hmm. um, but Coach Russ, really, that's where it kind of started for me. And then I went off to college and, and played in a system, which was great, but it wasn't, I was not an option system, but played against option systems. We had to play Springfield. We had to play Salisbury. I had to coordinate at Hartwick against Springfield and Salisbury. And I got to see the other side of that world now. And how it was just, it was, it was hard to stop. And 
they were so good at it for so long at Springfield and Salisbury that it was, it was difficult to, to game plan against. Um, so then f- fast forward, um, go all the way to when we get to Lake Highland. We were in 2017, 18, we were an RPO team. We were a spread inside zone, uh, pin and pull, a lot of RPO stuff. And the problem we were having is that we were not, we were not good enough up front to run the ball when they would um, lighten the box and just say, our defensive line is better than your offense line. We're just going to toss you around because our quarterback, we're getting uh, throw reads, but we're throwing into eight man coverage or man to man, or we couldn't consistently run the football with, with what we um, personnel wise. And, and that's, you know, that's high school. You got to try to figure out what you can do with who you got. We had a good quarterback, but he was having to throw the ball into eight man coverages and, a lot of different looks and, and some teams were daring us to run the football with a three, one box, three, two box. And we couldn't effectively, we couldn't get it done. Um, we graduated that quarterback. We graduated some guys in, in 2019, we had some athletes, but we didn't, we didn't really have a quarterback returning. Um, and that's where we kind of went. We knew we could play very good defense. We knew we were going to have to run the ball. And we knew if we were going to stay in games, we had to, we had to keep the game as close as long as possible. And so we went out that year and, we really went to, to Army first, and that was kind of where we started and visited with them. And that's where we went back to my time and my thinking, okay, when I game planned against Salisbury and Springfield, when I played in high school, what gave us an edge? And it was going back to option principles. And so 2019, we were under center, flexbone, um, some double tight end stuff, looking a lot like Army. And we were trying to run the football, keep the game as close as long as possible, trying to find a way to win in the fourth quarter. Um, we were not, you know, we had 25 guys on the roster. We we're not as, as good as a lot of people around there. And we, we struggled. And a lot of these guys on this great team this year were, were young. We're ninth and 10th graders back then. Um, and we kept a lot of games close. We lost two by, by three points total, which would have made us five and five instead of three and seven and, and possibly a playoff berth. But those guys, I, I'm proud of them. That senior class battled that year, um, kept games close. I mean, we were, we lost eight to six to a nine and one Jacksonville Episcopal team who had a guy going to Penn state at tight end. We had Mark Brunel coaching the old Jags quarterback. Oh, right, was coaching, yeah, yeah. He's coaching the Episcopal. Um, you know, they were phenomenal. We kept that game right where we wanted to and just couldn't get the two point conversion at the end to, to tie it up. So, you know, that's, we knew we had to find an edge and especially the way our school is, how high academically it is, how highly selective. It's awesome. We got great kids. Um, they're awesome to coach. We just had to find a way to be productively different. And it started with that. Um, then we knew these guys were going to grow up a little bit. We, we had some quarterbacks groom in the system. We want to expand the passing game a little bit more. Um, and we kind of moved into and researched that next season into moving more towards, uh, the pistol, the short pistol. And we got into the short pistol. We're able to use the same blocking scheme. So we didn't want to add more to our offensive line. Um, we were able to expand our passing game a little bit more, but we really wanted to take a bigger jump that year option-wise and do more, um, but COVID hit. And we had no spring, no summer, and then we had literally two weeks to get ready. And they said, you got two weeks, and then you're going to start your first game. So at that point, it was, okay, what can we do that we already know from last year, back them up a little bit in the short pistol, expand the passing game a little bit more, and be a little more, be a more, a little bit that, a little more dynamic, um, and go and we did kids did a great job. We went three and two in the regular season in a, in a very different year. We played in this kind of pod with some other private schools in the area. Uh, we played a couple teams twice, which was interesting. I'd asked my basketball coach about 
how you prepare for playing a team, you know, twice. Cause I'd never, I'd never played in a, a team twice in one season. Um, you know, got our first winning season in two years, um, which was great for the kids. And then was able to make the playoffs, won our first playoff game in a long time uh, in three years, and then lost to a really good OCP team. Um, so we really want to make a big jump that year. Fast forward, now we have spring and summer coming out of the 2020 season. We now have full spring, full summer. And we made the full commitment this off that off season to research and study how we're going to run uh, triple out of the gun. And, re- and really, we wanted to make that jump maybe even earlier. But like I said, COVID really kind of slowed that, yeah. that process down. And really, we had to kind of just find what we could do quickly um, with that weird year. Um, so we re- really studied and spent a long time researching the offseason. You know, what was Davidson doing? What was Washington Lee doing? What was Coach DeMeo doing? We, we looked at everybody. We looked at New Mexico State and we looked at New Mexico. We looked at all the different Ferris State. We looked at all these different options um, of running the, the triple out of the gun and really kind of settled on what Davidson and Washington Lee were doing, especially from a standpoint, you know, when we talked to a lot of those guys, they're high academic schools like we are. And it really fit what they felt personnel-wise, what they were getting, the style of kids they were getting. And we really fit that mold, but we're just a high school. You know, we're very similar schools. We're just, the kids are younger. So we went all in on that. And really, it, it, I wouldn't go back. We loved every minute of it. Um, I think it, it really fit our kids well. And we really you know, bought into it this season and gave us some ability to do a lot of different things um, within the offense. And, and we really, I mean, really enjoyed it. I mean, we really sunk our teeth into it, became really, um, what's the word I'm looking for, and almost enamored with it. And it really has become kind of who we want to be now. Like it really, from the offseason of studying it, but then now actually running it for a full season, this is really kind of where we're going to kind of hang our hat and be our bread and butter. Let's talk about the great season that you have, man. You guys won a state championship, man, undefeated season. And, uh, and then tell us a little bit about the, uh, the SSAC, if you don't mind as well. Yeah, we, um, we wanted to kind of, again, we, this goes back to that 2000, you know, 2019 season, kind of deciding kind of who we want to be and where we want to go. As a smaller private school, we want to be able to have the ability to play other private, small privates. Um, and the SSAC gave us the ability to do that and kind of helped us build a schedule around being able to play other small private schools and not having to be forced to play maybe larger public schools that are a very different um, setup than us, you know, just not the same, you know, not every school is going to be exactly the same as the other one, but playing a smaller private school will be a little bit more apples to apples than playing a, a public school with, you know, 1100 kids when we have 800 and we're private and we're a highly selective private. So we made the move to the SSAC, which was was great. They, they, they've been awesome. Uh, it's been a great organization. Um, really welcomed us in that 2019, after that 2019 season. And so with COVID, we were playing that in 2020. Well, we played in that mini pod, and then we were able to join the SSAC playoffs once that started um, and won a playoff game in there and then, and then lost in the second round. Um, this year, fast forward, it's been great. Been able to schedule other privates that are similar to us. And they get into the playoffs uh, this year. So what we, you know, what they do is the top eight in, in their rankings make the make the play the the championship playoff bracket. We were the one seed this year, and and then we play off from there. So it's a little bit different. It's kind of you know you have the 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 big you know one A through eight A public school league with the the FSSA, and then you have the SSAC as something else that you know it's growing too. There's some other schools that have joined this past uh, off season. 
it's just something that I felt, you know, in our school felt as we were researching, gave our kids the ability to play for something and gave our kids the ability to play against, you know, some similar schools and, and compete and give them an opportunity to maybe, you know, do we feel like we were going to be a lot better team this year? Yeah. We felt like these guys had gotten older. They were going to be seniors. So they were going to be a lot better. And we had ambitions of, of winning state title, but to be able to do this kind of stuff and have the year we did and, and see some of the joy and excitement on our campus and with our kids, it's been a great uh, situation for us within the SSAC. So it's been awesome. Um, like I said, it's probably our closest knit team we've had here since I've been here. I've, I've heard nothing but great things about that conference, man. And I, and I, and I see it's growing and uh, there's even some financial um, uh, incentives for, for, for belonging to that conference as a small school, correct? Yeah. There's some things like, you know, sponsorship wise, things like that. They can help you out with, with some of the things that you got to do in a, a yearly basis with, with some other sponsors that can help you out. Um, even the gate and stuff too. No, right. Yeah. The gate does for us. I'm going to be honest with you. That's not, that's not, uh, as big of a deal as it was for me when I was at a Kobe Mount Dora, but like, yes, there's some financial aspects with it where they, you know, this past year they could keep more of the game from playoffs than maybe with the public school league. And there's some other, you know, other different opportunities for, for some smaller schools to, to, you know, be competitive, but also, you know, make a bigger deal out of, out of their experience, not just be the little guy all the time. I think that's awesome. I said the championship, (laughs) championship game was awesome. And we played it at, at Lakeland Stadium, there right in the middle of Lakeland, um, yeah, you know, perfect, perfect size stadium for two two small schools. That's some outdoor Christian, but let me tell you what, yeah. nobody left there with with without getting their money's worth. I mean, that game was <laughs> two really really good teams just going at it. I mean, they've got a kid going to Miami, Ohio, that's phenomenal. They have a middle linebacker that I'm still trying to figure out how when we're going to actually you know get a hand on him. Uh, <laughs> big thick thick kid that that filled hard. Um, so it was two really good teams going at it, and that's why he had a. A 2019 game in the regular season, and then you had a 14 13 game in the state championship. So, now we had a uh, Bo Johnson, he was on, and I know he's their, their team's FHSA there in Bluntstown, but he was on. But uh, SSAC was doing some things, uh, to allow those little small 1A schools get uh, get in and uh, they do like a little bracket and everything and made it into a big championship game up there in the panhandle. Man, he, he's fired up to be a part of that. Yeah, it's a cool deal. They they get to have the, the Big Ben tournament there and some of the different things they do with you know having the conference tournament and and it's exciting for the kids, you know, be able to play for some things and then and, and obviously if you're good enough, you move on and, and go into the, the FSA bracket too. So there's some, you know, there's a lot of we're redoing classification down here right now. There's a big to do ha about you know what's that gonna look like in the future, and there's a lot of debate and so there's a lot of a lot of things that you know are going to look maybe a little bit different here in the future in, in football, and and it's exciting, it's exciting for the kids to maybe do some things you know a little bit differently. Yeah, I don't know. Bo, Bo was having some issues with scheduling too, and it really helped him yeah. Um, yeah. be able to to get some schools to play. I know he was frustrated about that, so that that was uh, that That's certainly helped for sure. No, that helped us. That helped us, especially these last couple of years with scheduling with you know finding some teams that were more like us. Well, Coach, you know, you, you talked about going, you know, going all in on the Davidson, Washington, Lee stuff. So for the listeners that don't know, tell us a little bit about what that option style looks like and, uh, you know, and how your kids used it and how, you, how it helped you uh, win your state championship. You know, the big, the big thing for me that I kind of, you know, obviously it's our first year and I, I did a talk about this in, in, in a clinic about, 
you know, we still have some growth in it, some things we need to learn and get better at. It was our first year doing it. And there was a lot of things that we were learning for the first time and seeing for the first time. Um, you know, the biggest thing for me that, that really, that got me into it. And then kind of really, I saw as the year went on was that the style of inside zone is not your traditional inside zone. Now I'll tell everybody that it's, it, it's inside zone and fit it that way. <laughs> But it, it's it's a little different, and, and it really gives you the ability. And I'm going to be very general here. I wanted to carry mid triple and triple at the same time, right? When I was uh-huh. under there's a lot that goes into all that, right? Uh-huh. And with the, with this play, I want to get in the gun, but I want to have some of the best of both worlds. I want to be greedy and have some of the good stuff that you got out of mid triple and some of the good stuff that you got out of triple. And the way we're running this now is that really it's the same. It's it's the same play together. Yeah. Certain times it's going to look like mid triple and certain times it's going to look like, like inside veer. It, it, it's the best of both worlds. And I was looking for a, a version of dive option that is going to give me the best of those things. So when I saw an odd front, I wasn't going to have all different tags and different answers. I was going to have to have, if I was in the even front, I could still like, I was still getting some of the mid triple. I wanted to be able to have both of those plays together. And now we do in one play. It really, it really is. And I'll tell you guys all the time, you, if I could tell you, you could have mid triple and triple in one play, would you do it? And I guess, well, yeah, yeah. less teaching. Um, but really we felt it was like that because the way we're, we're blocking it and the way we talk about with our guys about capturing the inside number and really the aiming point in the mesh with the B back of aiming at that backside hip of the center and really him attacking the backside hip, but rarely is he ever going to take it backside. And when I mean backside, I mean, you know, towards where you're zoning, you know, really for layman's or pushing those guys towards like we're our play side is the read side of, of the inside zone. Mm-hmm. And we're really treating it like it's an option play, not like inside zone where people really want to talk about bouncing it towards, you know, away from the mesh or then right. hitting it up the middle or then bending it back. We want to be able to either hit it off the backside hip of the center or bend that thing back like inside beer. And there's some clips I have, I showed the Clint that I pause it and our B back looks like he's running inside beer. And the way that it worked out with our, the way we're reaching that three technique on the backside with our guard and play side tackle to capture the inside number, we can either pop that play backside a gap, or if that three technique or two, I washes across um, that thing bends, bends right back and ends up looking just like inside beer. If I pause in a certain spot. So we wanted to have the ability to be in the gun. It gave us the opportunity to expand our jet game, our passing game. Um, now again, we're not we're not an error rate by no means, but we throw it probably ten to fifteen times a game, um, somewhere in there. Um, if we're throwing it more than fifteen, we're probably having some issues um, and, and needing to come back. But we were in that ten to fifteen range, and we were productive in the passing game, very efficient in the passing game, um, some very explosive plays down the field. Um, but we really wanted to have a version option where. We can um, run the inside zone style, but also match it to a lot of different defenses that we're going to see. And having that style of where we were teaching the guys that the, the read side was the play side, kept that same option mentality that we had from going from under center to pistol to gun. Um, but now really it, it's more of an inside zone style. Um, and really our guys, you know, there's a lot of ways to teach inside zone. There's a lot, you can get real in-depth and down the rabbit hole with that. For our guys, is it, their their number one thing that they're hearing is capture the inside number. You've got to capture the inside number because we're really trying to gut the defense and split it right in half. And then if if that closes, then we're going to bend that thing back towards the read 
and you start to see how it looks that no longer looks like mid triple. It starts to look like veer now in triple. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really, we really found that we could have a more running back style guy to it. But also I, I was in that world where we were traditional inside zone back in 2017, 18. And we had our struggles with that trying to block people up front. And yeah. I think this style allows for, you know, we have one tackle was, uh, gosh, she was six foot 200, maybe the other tackle was, 511 180. Um, so it gives the ability to be able to run that style, but without having to have some monster guys up front that we got to just his own block everything. Um, you know, our left tackle a couple of times because the style that it is, he's getting blown up by the five technique on that one side, but we're bending it back towards the read anyway. It doesn't matter. Or the other issue we're having with under center and short pistol was that backside linebacker screaming over, you know, we're running inside veer. Now, he thinks it's it's traditional inside zone. He's got to fit that that gap on his side. Right. And now we're we're capturing his inside number, hitting it down the middle, or bending it back towards the read. So it gives us the ability to really kind of have some of the best of both worlds and and expand the offense from there. Um, I really yeah. I explained it a lot better on film. No, um, you're good. I, we had Scott on, and and I, I felt like. Um, you know, during the conversation, that was my whole point was uh, he's he finally explained gun triple to me uh, where you're working to the read side and not away. You know what I mean? And so yes. uh, typically that's not the case in gun, but he developed it that way. And uh, it makes way more sense to me this way than every other way. You know what I mean? Um, I agree. Peter, I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah. That's where you're under took- center, right? Your gap scheme, your everything's play side. And then when you go research, everything's not except yeah. this style. Right. And so um, it made complete when I heard him speak in Richmond, like maybe six, eight years ago, it was like, you know, one of those moments where you're like, ah, oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, this, this, now this makes sense. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We, and we spent, we spent months last offseason st- getting our hands on everything we could talk, excuse me, talking to everybody we could. Yeah. Um, and really to research. And that's where it kind of clicked for us and really felt that it was, it was the best for our guys was when it was, we started to get the idea of that, that was the philosophy behind it. Yeah. Um, and then actually doing it. Listen, it, it, it took some time in spring practice. That's why we have spring practice because it was it was ugly to start. And then once we started kind of get our feet underneath it, it was we have a running back that's explosive, and this allows him to be explosive um, and, and still have those option principles and still have you know the stuff we love seeing as option coaches. You know, linebackers running out with pitch, you know, just running with pitch guys when my backs running right down the middle of the yeah. defense, hundred miles an hour. You know, all that great stuff. Um, but from the gun and and really, it, it made our quarterbacks feel more comfortable. Um, they were doing some things that were more comfortable for them. Um, stuff that they've been doing, maybe, you know, we had one quarterback transfer in. He'd been doing that all his life. And for me to get him to play under center, it's just going to take a lot of time. Not that we couldn't. It's just going to take a long time to get him caught up with a career of being in the gun his whole life. Um, so let's try, to, let's try to match both worlds and – and try to get him involved and, and really did a nice job with it. So, and, and one last question, because I know Tony's got a couple. Did you do no, both no pistol and sidecar, just sidecar, both? With, did, we did, we did, we did pistol and sidecar, both. Okay. And we, we mix it up. There were some things that we would do 
you know, we tried to make sure we, that was something that we were really conscious of during the season that we tried to change some things up. So we weren't always doing certain things in sidecar, certain things in pistol. Yeah, yeah. I had, I had my, my, our, our running back was great. Our B-back was great. He, at times think, Hey coach, I think, you know, I think those linebackers think we're running certain stuff out of the pistol in this game. Hey, can I run, can I run an offset? Can I run 12, you know, 12, I don't want to say that. Can I run this in, in offset instead of pistol right now? So that way, um, yeah, you're good. You know, so that way, that way, um, you know, they're not teeing off on it. And, you know, we did some Thursday. We really liked um, some of our play action stuff out of pistol. Cause you know, the defense felt we were coming downhill right at them and, and kind of give them a different look and, and it helped in protection and play action coming out of pistol than out of sidecar. So there were some things we learned that going to next season, we, some tweaks that we got that, you know, that we had to learn, you know, a little bit by, by trial and error during this first year. Gotcha. Coach, man, this, this is, this is where it's really cool for me. Um, can we just spend all this time talking about the GTO and um, uh, Davidson and, and, and Washington Lee and stuff. Right. And then here you go. We're going to talk about Harding now. Right. Yeah, because you know the way that they practice is 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 just awesome, man. And 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 we talked. That's the secret sauce, right? That's the real secret yeah. sauce. I know you did a good job in your recent clinic, man. Uh, breaking all that down, man. And uh, just just speak about how you guys practice. Yeah, so that that was another thing. Like, you know, we want to, like I said earlier in the talk, we want to be productively different and go and find ways to do things better. And just because you know, you know, we go and travel to Harding in 2019 and and visit with them and learn how, how they practice. And at that time we were starting to transition to the short pistol. Um, and then COVID hit, I mean, literally a month later, COVID hit. we were at that right. clinic in February and like by a month later, we were all at home. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's crazy just to think about it. Um, so, but we want to, yeah, even though they were under center, we were not going to be under center anymore. I want to see how they practice and utilize, you know, their teaching ability and how they practice. Cause I mean, they're efficient at running it. And so, like you said, the secret sauce is how you teach things. Like how are you able to go out there and practice and teach? Um, we're very unique in our practice style. We're the we're the only team in Florida. We might be the only team in most of the country that practices every day in the morning. So we practice at six a.m. every single morning throughout the year. We start a little bit later in training camp uh, when the kids don't have school. But we use uh, we don't start school to eight thirty. We used to have an athletics period that started earlier that we'd use that first period of time to get them shower and get them some breakfast and get them changed and get them off the class. But we press in the morning, a lot of it because it allows our guys to, to balance their, their high academic schedule. They can go see tutors. They, they really get that afternoon and, and late part of school to get that stuff taken care of. And we get them when they're kind of fresh too, from the day. Yeah. They got to get used to getting up a little bit earlier, uh, but then they get used to it. And they, the guys see a benefit of it because they um they're done by three o'clock. Their their buddies are 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 still going out to practice. And in Florida, it lightnings and storms every day, so we get every ounce of practice in. So we go to Harding, and we really want to look at okay, even though we were going to be a different style, we want to look at how were they teaching it. And so when we got into our practice style this year, we we're really that kind of style of practice with with Harding, where we break it down. The you know, I'll give you our our in season for example. We get the Tuesday. Tuesday is going to be mesh period, option period. Group pod, team mix, boom, we're done. That's our offensive time every single Tuesday throughout the entire year. And then within that is where we're going to script out, okay, you know, group pod was always our, our GTO and our zone dive version of it. And then we're going to script out, you know, what defenses we want to work at, you know, because again, everybody talks about this, about, you know, I always be able to predict what you're going to see on Friday night, but get the idea of what you think you are. And then 
the extra stuff that you want to get, you know, making sure you're repping that each week. Cause we've had teams that come out with a four man front and then, then jump into an out front, you know, on us, um, you know, make sure we get that mesh and then option drill uh, and really build up that progression where we're going from, you know, Q's and centers, Q's and B's. And then now we're working up to Q's, B's slots and wide receivers and option drill. And then we go back and we work O line with the slots and the Q's and the B's and group pod. And then we put it all together in team mix and really kind of get our 11 and 11. Let's get it on um, kind of style of practice at that point. And then Wednesday we get into two ball drill and we can do some different things in two ball drill where we're working GTO, but we also work some jet handoff in there and some different things that, you know, we want to work some mesh with. Um, then we get into, that's our seven on seven time next. So then we get into um, two ball drill. We get into seven on seven offense. We get into seven on seven defense. Um, we then go to a jet and kick pod. So we were a big jet team this year. And then also, um, you know, um, zone kick team for, for those people who want to call it that. So that's when we would then go half really, it was us versus bags and, and kind of half field look that we wanted on that side. And we would work our, our jet game on one side and our kick game and then flip flop it on the other side with that in, in a pod situation. Um, and then go to team mix from there. And that would be our Wednesday. Um, so we really took that hardening style and kind of wanted to make it a little, maybe a little bit simpler than Harding was doing. Cause that's not all our kids were doing. Our kids had to play defense too at times and really teach them within that and get a ton of reps in a short period of time. We only practice for training camp two hours during the season, an hour, 45 minutes, but we get a lot done in an hour, 45 minutes. And, and especially we're even, you know, we're even practicing both sides with defense and offense. So it's about how well you can teach and what you can get done in those periods and making sure that we're, we're coaching it and building that, that repetition throughout that time and, and really getting good at what we do. And, and if we have to do less, that's fine because we want to make sure we're doing it well. Um, and that's where we, I thought we, we really took a huge jump that first year is because we really jumped into what we were going to do. And then we made a, a point to how we were going to practice it. And what were the best ways to practice that stuff to get that stuff done and getting in those different pod periods and those different team periods with our guys um, really help teach and reinforce the rules and the teaching of that. You know, we get into option drill, we're working all the different perimeter blocks that we want to work and all the different, you know, that was a big pull pitch time for us. Um, you know, option drill, I would tell my coaches, we want to get, you know, four out of five of them are pull pitches, you know, give them a, a give re once, you know, one out of five to keep them honest. And then mesh was the opposite. And mesh was a, a place where we spent a lot of time in spring and, summer and fall to make sure that we got the, the gun mesh down because that was a huge thing for us. Tony got to see some of our clips when we first started. It was, it was not where we are now. Um, <laughs> and it took some time, but we really, we, we went all in on it and you had to make a decision on how you were going to practice this stuff um, to get that development as fast as you could. Um, and, and so that way you can be, you know, you're gaining time on maybe some other teams were not as efficient at practice and maybe haven't thought out, their scripting and their pod period and, and how they're going to use those periods and you're gaining time on them with, with your teaching and, yeah. and your, your production. Cause really when it really comes down to it, all we got the same is time. None of our programs are all the same. The only thing we've got is the, the amount of time we have on that field and how much can I get done with my guys productively, you know, how well can I coach them in that time before we get off the field to try to get an edge on you. That time at Harding was awesome. I mean, we, I mean, we take, we took a lot of what they did and just, you know, maybe simplified it and, and meshed it towards gun triple and practice that way. So 
yeah, we're a gun triple team, but we practice like an under center flexbone team that is, you know, they're, they're a machine. And that's what we want to try to become as a machine, but just doing it in a di- you know, different style of, of option. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and just, you know, your kids are seeing every front, every stunt, you know, every day, that kind of thing. Right. Just like, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, we they, try, they, we try, we try to have an emphasis and try to maybe put lean towards a little bit more of a certain thing that we think we're going to see, but yeah, we're, we're going to give them, you know, forming a front look and out of front look, you know, we, re- you know, to break it down, we're going to give some form of a four, four, some version of four, three and some version of an odd every day in all those periods and all those pods, you know, whether it's mesh and option drill and group pod and jet kick pod and team mix and really team mix is where we can kind of really give them some situational work. Um, you know, when we get into Thursday, it'd be two point period and, and, and some two minute stuff. Uh, like I said, we got our, we have a seven on seven period on Wednesdays where we got a lot of our, our tempo passing in. If we want to go a little bit faster and uh, increase the tempo and, and throw the football, we got into that period. So really being able to break down those different things into group structure, you know, start out with some individual stuff, but really get into group structure. And then obviously in the team mix, that mesh period, bring it over the centers. And, and that mesh period was a critical part of getting this thing started. Like we, that was a huge part of it. Having the centers quarterbacks and bees together for so long during that year to get that down. And it paid dividends. I mean, our semi state semifinal game, there's teams all across the state canceling games that night. They thought the tropical storm was bad enough to cancel games. We we're, both teams were like, we're playing this thing. And we came out and our kids did a great job. Our center's quarterback, we had no exchange problems, none. And the other team across the way had was balls over the head at the feet, fumbling them in the back and just all over the place. And same two teams, same environment, same field, same turf field. Everything was the same. And our kids really made a, a commitment to it all year long in Mestrel to, to make sure that exchange was, was perfect no matter what was going on. Well, coach, let's talk about uh, some major plays. You know, what other plays are you running besides the GTO uh, within that system? You know, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, for us, I mean, I started with GTO and then um, we'll get into a, a zone, you know, zone dive ish version of, of GTO. We're blocking number one in the option mm-hmm. count and we will do it a couple of different ways. Uh, that's the part of the experiment, you know, experimentation year that we were in you know, blocking a traditional way with a slot, trying to dig that, that, that five technique out that, that number one in the option count out. But then we'll get into some stuff where we're in a tight end set and that tight end's yeah. trying to use the same technique that our tackle and guard are using on a three tech, but he's doing it on a five and really becomes more outside veer. And it, we're kind of stumbling. Like we were an outside veer team. We never have been. And we kind of like towards the end of the year, we kind of, we had talked to, you know, some of the guys who run this about it, we're kind of like, yeah, that's too much for us right now. And we kind of got against some odd teams. And every time we talked to, you know, Coach Jones was great, awesome resource for us at Washington Lee. And he's like, you know, we really like some of that stuff against odd teams. And I'm like, well, let's let's give it a whirl. And really nothing changed for us except for that tight end. That tight end just had to work on that reach. And it was great. But if we're getting a zero and a four eye and then a nine outside that tight end, you know, you know, you know, an odd front, Really, that becomes what the way we did it because we didn't feel good about our center and and the nose guard being one on one. We aced that with the center and the guard and worked that to the backside linebacker, and then we worked that same double that you would have on a two eye, but with a four eye. But it was between the tackle and the tight end, so the tight end and the guard. So those two would work that reach in that four eye. If that four eye really wanted to work hard against that play side tackle, he'd wash him down, 
tight end would climb. And now we've got multiple entry points for that, that be back to get in there. Um, and I got a couple of clips in the state championship game. We, the first series of the game, we marched right down the field running it um, and done a great job with it, um, with that. So some sort of that we got into, um, we, we brought our two stud linebackers in, put them in the slot and, and kind of got into a heavier set and ran the same thing. But then we wrapped, kind of wrapped that backside slot to be an extra lead blocker against a 4-4 and ran that same zone dive version of it. The yeah. first guy would dig out the one, you know, the one in the option count, the second guy would wrap through. We just did some stuff like that in, in, in short yards, but all the same concepts up front for the offensive line. Nothing changed. I, I can mess around that backfield all I want. Same stuff. Um, and then we were huge. So GTO, our, GTO, our zone dive version, GTO kind of outside here where we're kind of going into the second year. And then Jet was our, our, our that's what kind of we were known for. Um, we were explosive Jet. We've got two really fast slots, two of the best guys in the state and track um, are slots. And we used that thing like it was the 200 in track. Um, and we were very effective in getting into some unbalanced sense of condensing the receiver down and going crack, crack and, mm-hmm. and, and getting the slot on the edge against the corner and, and getting full speed on the edge outside. We were very explosive. I think we we're looking at like, gosh, we were close. Like I can look at my stuff. I wish I had it from me. Darn it. Um, I mean, we were like 13, 14 yards of rush on jet. I mean, we were, our B-back was nine yards of rush this year. Um, so jet was a huge thing for us. Um, out of a lot of different sets, just depending on what you were giving us and who we needed to handle. Do we need to try to do a better job on number one in the option count? Was he the problem? Was number two the problem in the option count? You know, what was the problem? And, and we would adjust our blocking scheme on the perimeter from there. But again, our kids repped the heck out of that because that's all we did in jet kick pod on every Wednesday. Um, you know, in season and then during training camp, we were doing it, you know, even more uh, in our install periods. Um, so we got very efficient at, at Jet. So really it was, you know, GTO, zone, Jet. And then we got into, you know, some kick game. Um, and we ran a couple different ways. We ran zone kick with the quarterback from the gun, um, which we had done in the short pistol also was very effective for us in the short pistol. And then we started running it with the slot because we got so much movement from the defense of, of trying to box our Jet in. Like everybody's screaming, don't let them run Jet with those guys. Don't let them run Jet. Don't let them run Jet. So we would use our same zone kick blocking scheme and just hand it to the slot instead. So it was a, as soon as he got the ball from the quarterback, that thing was automatically getting cut up inside. It was an easy kick out for our B back. And it was a nice adjustment against teams that really want to try to maybe put number one and number two outside our tight end and jet and try to box, box jet in. It was almost an automatic cut up for us. You know, Tony and I would like, I was trying to, uh, I was not a full, you know, wing T coach, um, but I was trying to use some, some stuff we got some from wing T guys where it was like, you know, that red yeah. light stuff and red light. Yes. We yeah, trying to some stuff without, without me having to be a full, you know, that wasn't really who we are. Yeah. Um, fully we were a GTO, but like being able to run that stuff without giving our, a lot of guys extra to learn yeah. about. It was um, cheap. It was very cheap. Yeah, um, just a vertical cut and see gap. Yeah. It's that big a deal. And it was great against, you know, getting an odd team. And then also against yeah. teams that want to be trying to, trying to really, get outside and try to box our, our yeah. jet in um, for us. But that was, you know, out of multiple formations, you know, we bounce around some different formations, but that was, that was the extent of our run game. Um, that was, that was really it. Um, you know, we've got some ideas, my next research project, you know, I try to pick one every year that I really like spend all my time on. So our next one, 
we're going to, you know, get into some stuff this off season um, with some counters and different things, some different looks to try to counter some of the stuff that we've been successful with. Cause that's going to be what the defense is going to do to us. Um, and our passing game was really good. Our passing, we, you know, we were a big quick game team, a lot of quick game. Um, we had maybe three or four drop back concepts, um, a couple uh, play action concepts and we were huge. Uh, we loved it and it will continue to expand it. We were a big dash team from the gun. Mm-hmm. So hitch boot. So, I mean, like I tell my quarterbacks, throw that hitch to death. You know, if they're going to give it to us, keep throwing it. And we, we were very successful with that. Um, we loved it and really want to expand our quarterbacks liked it. It got rid of some problems that we saw in the past. We're running just straight. We wanted to run sprint out in the past because of our, our quarterback's abilities and our offensive line abilities. But we got in a sprint out game and people would just bring guys off the edge and just be dudes running. For, it was just hard to get that thing. I try to figure out how to block it better. And maybe I'm just not a good enough coach at that. Um, but then we got into this system and it kind of got me what we wanted with sprint out, but the protection was, was just so much better because it, they, they were just setting everything up for a drop back. And then we were able to sprint out from there and really, it really boot out, but it wasn't when you straight sprint, those dudes are just coming hard off the end. And it's, it's always, it was always difficult for our B-back and our office line to try to get that thing protected. Mm-hmm. Um, where with this one, we could be throwing the hitch and never get to the boot ever. Um, and then two, if we did, everybody's already set up to try to rush a straight, you know, straight drop back. And then we were able to get out to the edge so much easier than we were in the past. Um, so that was a, that was a big thing for us this year, you know, between GTO and really the passing game, that was a big addition for us. Uh, passing wise was, was that, I mean, we got a lot of cheap, I wouldn't say cheap, we weren't cheap, but you know, very efficient, um, passing yards and then also first downs because of, because of that play. It's the I, I love that play, man. I uh, I got into it big time this year too, man. I know uh, we was talking it up on a telegram, and uh, that's that's old uh, Tony DeMeo right there, right, Coach uh, McLeod? Which pass? Yeah, yeah, he started it, and uh, he he. <laughs> if you ask him, well, I guess he'd probably tell you. But ultimately, what was happening in his sprint out game is he could block the edge, but you know you condense coverage when you. You know, you you cut off half the field for defense to have to worry about. So, sure, he, he felt like as he pr- approached the perimeter with his quarterbacks, you know, that he would get covered, squeezed, or tilted, and he couldn't he couldn't make the throws he wanted there. Uh, and that guy ended up, and he had a really good, particularly when he was at Charleston, he had a really fast kid, right? And so that it it was always perimeter, perimeter, everything squeezed, and that kid's gone. You know what I mean? So he could never get the ball out. So. He started doing this to keep the coverage principles balanced without squeezing or tilting, and then he could get to his throws, you know. So, great, great idea. I, I think Kennesaw does a really good job with it, too, um, you know, and so. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I stole a lot of it from Kennesaw. I mean, like, I'll admit it right. Like, again, that just shows you, the, like, it's you don't have to be an under center or a gun, like, we're stealing ideas from, you know, oh, a team that's absolutely. an under, under, under yep. center option team. And, and like, you know, if their practice ideas and some of their stuff works, I mean, why can't I do it with a quarterback at four and a half yards? And it, it was really, like you said, really effective and really, fit, really efficient for us. Yeah. Well, I, we, um, we, we, I helped, we helped the team up here. Uh, they were like traditional zone read spread. Right. But they, they were a while off, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, people were squeeze, squeeze scraping them pretty heavily. You know what I mean? And so, uh, 
we were we were helping them run zone dive with that Y there to help dig the five and do some other stuff, make a triple call. Anyway, uh, it worked out pretty good for them. And uh, I mean, it had it had two really good players in the backfield, but um, but just trying to help each other, borrow concepts, right? Um, you know, they had a couple of pretty decent pass concepts out of gun we borrowed from them. And uh, anyway. It's, uh, it's that's always how, good that's how th- that's how things evolve. You you yeah. hybrid stuff. You you know that's how. No, I'm not inventing any of this stuff. Like it's not like you, you oh, know, right. you're just you're evolving yeah. it, and you know you're kind of taking this and hybriding it together, and you, now you have a new animal out of, of two things that you've taken from two places, and you know that's just you know it's an awesome thing about the game. You know that's I love about the game is being able to kind of you know do the kind of stuff and kind of there's so many different things you can do with a team of eleven guys versus eleven guys on a on a football field that there's so many factors and variables that it's exciting to see what you can, you can create. Yeah, no doubt. Well, coach, we surely appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. Yeah. I know we've been trying to get you on for a little bit, man. I appreciate it guys. I appreciate it. Anytime I like, I love this. I love this kind of stuff. Just talking to coaches, coach, talking ball. I could do this for, for hours on end and just, you know, and just, like I said, that that's how you grow. Um, that's how you get better ideas. That's, that's how the profession grows. And, you know, I was very, like I said, I was very fortunate to have a high school football coach that, that, you know, I wouldn't say pushed me into the profession, but helped me get to the profession and kind of see that I could be a part of it. And I could be, you know, I could be something in it and then, and then help me nurture in it too, by taking me, you know, he didn't have to, I was a college kid. I was already graduated. I was gone. You know, he was on other teams that he was coaching there. I was going, he, you know, he didn't have to take the time that he did to, to nurture me as a young coach, to take me places, to introduce me to people, to kind of, you know, get me in those situations. And, you know, you get to a certain point of your career, I'm not saying I'm that, that old yet, but you get to that part of your career where, you know, now I kind of like doing that kind of stuff. I kind of like talking to people. I kind of like sharing. I kind of like, you know, doing that. Cause again, like nobody had to do that for me. Um, you know, and I appreciate that about other people being able to, to reach their hand out and help me and, and get me started and, and kind of, you know, get me going on the path. So I enjoy for sure, it for sure. And also you spoke at the, uh, Illinois high school coaches association clinic, right. Online. And yes. Yes. Mark, Mark grounds. He's the president of our guy. Oh Mark, yeah. Right. Dave Jacobs. Right. Uh, yep. and, and so for the listeners, um, definitely can check out your stuff there. You can get a, you can get a mega pass that'll do like a bunch of state clinics and, uh, your replays on there. So, yep. you know, check it out. Uh, for the listeners that want to learn a little bit more about what uh, what Ben's doing with his GTO stuff. And then maybe just um, before we head out, maybe, you know, what's the best way for somebody that wants to pick your brain? What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, probably, probably emails would be the best to start with. And we can kind of set something up. My email is B, uh, my first name, so my first initial. So B Bullock, B-U-L-L-O-C-K at LHPS.org. So it's bbullock at lhps.org. That's my email. Um, probably the best way to get a hold of me first. And then um, my Twitter account is at coach underscore bullock. And that's probably the next best way to get in touch with me and, and connect and, and, and kind of chat and go from there. And then, you know, that's one of the things, yeah. great things about where we've been in right now is you can jump on, jump on the computer yeah. and, and talk some ball and there. I can pull yeah. up puddle and, and, uh, show you some stuff visually about kind of what we're doing and, and kind of where we're going and, 
you know, like I said that, like you were saying earlier with that clinic talk, that talk, you know, I wanted to give a perspective, like, you know, it was about being the first year of doing this. Like mm-hmm. we were by no means a, a 10 year juggernaut in the system. By no means we've had great success. We love it uh, this past year, but you know, kind of our, you know, what we did this first year, how we, how we taught them, you know, to get to where we are, like what we felt with the, that kind of harding system, how we could teach those guys faster and maybe catch up on time that we didn't have, you know, we weren't going to be running, you know, this is our first year running it and, and kind of the things that we did to try to get them to, to a high level as fast as we could. Um, so it was really kind of from that, that talk was kind of from perspective of, you know, first year doing it. Like if you're thinking about jumping into this world, here's what we did this year. And this is the struggles we had and, and some of the great things out of it and some of the things we learned and, and how we're going to go forward in, in year two. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. We'll make sure we put your email and your, Twitter in the show notes for people to. Exactly. to I think that's that. I think that's important sometimes. Sometimes you go to clinics and you're listening to guys that have been, you know, running a system for 20 years, and it just sounds like you know easy and perfectly. Like, you know, at, t- at a time, you know, you're your first year in this thing, and how do I how do I get this thing going? And that's probably my biggest question. To everybody last year when I was researching this, and two years ago it was Jet. Like, how do I get this thing going? Like, how do I, how do I even get started? And yeah. you know, coming from that perspective, really kind of with will probably benefit a lot of coaches. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. Well, listen, man, can't thank you enough. It was awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks, oh, it was awesome, guys. Anytime, anytime. Yeah, stay, you know, stay warm down there, okay? Uh, we'll, be, we'll be okay. We'll be okay. It's, uh, you know, I don't want any, you know, any iguanas falling out of trees on your head. Or listen, I, like, I, 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 I still got, I still, I, that's, that's like South Florida. Like, um, uh, I still got to get used to it. Listen, we'll get into like late October, November and uh, like, it'll dip to like, maybe like 62 in the morning for practice. And you would think like, you know, we're, 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 you know, we're going up Mount Everest or something. I got kids out there. Like, like I'm like, guys, have you ever really been skiing? Like I, like, Maybe like the snow and that actually cold looks like, like you know, the, the guys, they're cold. The coach man's cold. This is Flor- you know, we're Florida cold. I'm like, guys, this isn't, this isn't cold, man. Like, but it's a, you know, different perspective. I try to, I try to get those guys a little acclimated because, you know, some of our guys want to go North to play football. Yeah. Right. We've got a kid, we got a kid playing at Brown. We got a kid playing at Wesleyan. We got a kid playing at Hamilton. You know, we send a lot of guys out of state. I'm like, you know, we gotta, we gotta find a way to acclimate you guys. You yeah. know, so you're ready to go. So it's great hearing the stories when they come back that first Christmas night. Coach, yeah, it was cold. It's cold. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole different level of cold. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. no doubt.